Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I will start the next session, but I thought of just challenging us in summary form as to some of the issues that we spoke to um, throughout the past few sessions of our meetings together. We've been dealing with the subject of hearing with your spirit, of forming your spirit man to completeness, to blamelessness, to faultlessness, um, to full maturity and development. To recap, you are spirit, you are soul, and you are your body. Three parts of you. All three are equally important to God. God is intent on redeeming all three parts. First Thessalonians 5:23 says, "I pray that your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved, blameless and complete unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." The next verse is, "Faithful is he who was promised, and we will also do it." This is a, 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 an intent of God. That will certainly be done. Because, yes, it is dependent upon you. Because the previous verse says, examine all things, hold to that which is good. Right? Then he makes us pray. Pray your spirit, soul, body, be preserved, blameless. Next verse, he is faithful. So you have a part and God has a part. You do the examining of all things. Hold fast to that which is proper, right, and upright. Then he says, when you do your part... You activate the faithfulness of God. He kicks in. Faithful is he who promised. We will also do it. You must assert this reality. That your spirit will be blameless, complete, mature. You must assert this reality. That your soul will be entirely renewed. It's in the process of being renewed right now. You must assert this reality also. That in your body you will overcome every weakness of your flesh. And that one day, immortality, you'll be clothed with immortality. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about, we yearn and we wait to be clothed upon again. To, to, and the clothing, because remember when Adam sinned, he knew he was naked. So he divested himself of a garment, which I believe was immortality, eternal life, and that's why he found himself naked after the sin. But Paul says, we yearn and we wait to be clothed upon again. Um, Ephesians, or rather Romans 8, talks about three groans. Everyone say groan. It says the creation groans. Right? Um, the spirit groans. And it says, we ourselves, we also groan. So in one chapter, you have three groans. Creation is waiting for the manifestation of the of the sons of God in the earth. All the entirety of the creative order is waiting for us to manifest fully the nature of God, to put the nature of God on display. And when that happens, we are going to see all of the creative order redeem and heal itself. Okay? The spirit groans. 
making prayer with, with utterances which cannot be uttered naturally, right? Praying for us according to the perfect will of the Lord. Then Paul says, we groan too. To, for what? We groan for the redemption of our bodies. The press is toward immortality. We groan to break the tape, to break the bubble of limitation in the flesh. But the pathway to that is from spirit to soul to, to body. It is almost like when the spirit within you, your spirit man, completely matures and the process of renewal of your soul accelerates. Thamo said this once. He said he even believes the very atoms in your body and your molecular makeup physically will start to exude something different. The body was going to have to align itself properly to what is taking place in spirit and soul. But so long as the divine process in the spirit and in the soul lags, the process of the final redemption of the body will forever be an unfulfilled promise. So we push. Paul says, I press. We push and we press toward that point. Okay? All of these things are key. Um, we've, been, we've been talking about this groan in the spirit. Peter, or rather Jesus in John 11, stood before Lazarus' tomb. And the Bible says he groaned in his spirit. And then he says, remove the stone. Gave thanks to his father. Father, I thank you. You hear me always. Next verse. Lazarus, come. Come forth. He confronted what? What did he confront? A spirit of death. He confronted the reality that a final enemy to be overcome. But before he spoke to the principle of death in the body vested in Lazarus, what was happening in the man first for him to speak authoritatively over that principality? There was a groan in the spirit. There are some people that want to speak authoritatively, commanding certain principalities, yet they do not speak as a reflection of a groan in the spirit. Your, 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 your power to command has got to be a reflection already of a position that you've attained in your spirit. Hmm? In fact, everyone say groan. The word in the Greek literally means to give stern admonishment to in, in John 11, in that context. To bring stern judgment to. So you know what? Before Jesus actually said, Lazarus, come forth. Which human being can talk to a spirit of death who has already taken one into its domain and say, release that brother now by my word, release him. And death must obey your voice and give back one it's already reclaimed. Give it up. Lazarus comes forth in grave cloths. Comes forth, they already embalmed him. He's dead for days. Can you picture death's response? Please remember, death is a personality. Death rides a horse in the book of Revelation. Death is a demonic host. Can you picture his agitation? The, person, the, per the personality, the spirit personality, the demonic entity called death. I've got this one four days. 
And there's a voice that he hears from the domain of the earth. Who is this that dares to challenge my authority? And when, if he wants to resist, he can't. Because the power of the authoritative word emanated from one who has grown in his spirit so maturely, he cannot but give it up. Hmm? And you and I, we pray empty words from empty spirits. Most people in the, in the church today are basically involved in positive confession. That is, some, The sum total of it is new age based. There is a place for accurate confession biblically. But when you confess, confess from a word-saturated, word-marinated spirit. Jesus' spirit, he was the word made flesh. This was not some weak spirit talking to the power or the principality of death. Do you remember Job? Job said this to one of the friends that, inaccurately um, assessed his plight. Job said, whose spirit speaks through you? Whose spirit speaks through you? Job realized that this friend, I forget the name of it, I've got it in your notes somewhere, I'll, I'll, I'll refer to it in a moment. If you want the reference, it's Job 26 verse 4. But Job said to this brother that inaccurately judged him and the person who was was judging job was influenced by one of the other friends so when job heard his word job rightly said i can hear how you're talking that this is the viewpoint of another man (laughs) but he doesn't say whose opinion he said your words communicate somebody else's spirit to me when you speak whose spirit speaks through you So think about it like this. Whenever we utter, we release a reflection of the content of our spirits. That's why Jesus said the words I speak are what? Our spirit and they are life. I don't want to encourage us all. Develop your spirit, man. Develop your spirit, man, strongly. I think we need some acorns. Develop your spirit, man. Have a mature, full, robust, fully aware, disciplined, word-filled spirit man. If you can't afford to ride on empty in this season, have you ever ridden on a long journey and, and you, you, your fuel gauge is near empty? And you have problems of, will, will we make the next garage? Hey? Hey? Affects performance of the vehicle, etc. In fact, if you consistently ride on empty, it can damage your fuel pump and your engine. Right? It affects the efficiency of the functioning of the car. I'm amazed at how many Christians are running on empty in the spirit. Right? I discern it very, very easily and very, very quickly. Right? I want to encourage us, by this time, everyone in this house ought to have had a well-formed, saturated robust, Holy Spirit-filled. And let me just say this. When you, in your world, encounter things not in alignment with God's will, it should cause a groan in your spirit. And then you begin to declare and you speak the word of the Lord. The word is near you even in your, even in your mouth. 
The word of faith which we preach, Paul says. And so you declare a thing and it is done. But your declaration is not empty words from an empty head. Not empty words from an empty spirit. The words are spirit because they emanate from your spirit, which is word-saturated. Okay? Now, before we just leave, something that I've, I emailed you in the week concerning is this. I spoke to you last week about not grumbling. And I shared a word thought and I entitled it, Are you grumbling or are you groaning? Right? Because Peter says, uh, Philippians says, Philippians 2.14, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Not some things. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Do all things without complaining. Do all things without murmuring. Now murmur is an expression of an unrenewed soul. There are areas in your soul that are still in a state of unrenewal. When light hits your spirit by the word of the Lord, the light shines upon the darkened areas of your soul. When that does happen, you have a choice as to whether to adjust, repent, change your ways. But if at any stage in the area of your soul, there's a proneness and ease, a leaning towards grumbling here, it means that area is unrenewed. Groans happen in the spirit. Grumblings happen in the soul. And I shared with you this. The grumble in the unrenewed area of the soul is a satanic counterfeit for a Holy Spirit-induced groan in the realm of your spirit. The one is a threat to the other. If you keep on grumbling... Your power to groan is compromised. If you keep on grumbling, your, your, your groan capacity, the allowance in you, the capacity in you, by the Holy Spirit to induce a groan in your spirit is, is, is weakened. If you entertain a spirit of complaint, murmur, and grumble in your spirit. That is why I said to you, Remember last week, I'm not sure when I said this, I said, ensure that you stop grumbling at any level. Don't even complain about the weather. Just say, the spirit of, decide, the spirit of dispute, the spirit of complaint, the spirit of murmur in me, I will extract it and banish it forever. It will not be part of my system. I can't demonstrate this to you um, fully now, but please just trust me, we'll develop this later. I'm just saying it just because I feel the import of the Lord. I am telling you that if you entertain a spirit of complaining within the unrenewed area of your soul, it's going to rival, rebel against the grown capacity of the Holy Spirit within your spirit. You see, because at the end of the day, we need to speak from our mouths. We need to declare the the word of the Lord. And what comes out in power is largely going to be determined by the state of your spirit. Right? But many of us are now speaking soulishly. The speaking is colored by the fallenness of the soul. And I want to encourage you. Um, who is the perfect man, James says? 
If a man knows how to bridle his tongue, James says, that man has reached perfection. Hmm? There are two marks of perfection I love in the scripture. Many others, but two in particular. The one is accurate speaking. Show me your conversation and I'll show you where you are in the spirit. Show me the content of your speaking and I will indicate exactly where you are in the spirit. The other is relationships. In Matthew 5, when Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those that hate you despitefully, use you, etc. Right? In that same context, the very next verse says, now be perfect. For your heavenly father is perfect. If you can look and bring rightness to all of your relationships. Two things. Your relationships and your words give you a way in terms of exactly where you are in the spirit. But for me, right now where I am in the spirit, I want everyone in this house, whatever level you are speaking at, whether you are preaching, whether with colleagues at work, whether in your family, um, there's a power that God is bringing to our utterance. And that power is going to be dependent upon the degree to which our spirit man has been infused with God's word, God's will, God's way, God's spirit. Amen? So silence the grumble and amplify the groan. Tell your neighbor, silence the grumble. Silence the grumble, but amplify the groan because when you are faced you might not be faced with the spirit of death spirit of mammon might be staring at you finances um, some a spirit of infirmity uh, a spirit of whatever jealousy you might be confronting in your world and you have them you're going to have to come to the place where you authoritatively declare powerfully the word of the lord what's going to show you up in the moment of your declaration is a weak spirit. And at that crucial stage, you cannot afford to have a to have a weak spirit. Amen? So I really want to encourage you. That's why I love what Liam said. One of the ways I keep encouraging you this is to pray in tongues, is to pray in the Holy Ghost. But before I get ahead of myself, let me go to this list. Today is not really a preach. Today is an audit. <laughs> okay? Before we go on, I've got the next topic here. It's all well prepared. Uh, we'll talk on Wednesday, next week, Sunday. We'll start part one of a subsection in this broad topic. I termed it the prosperity of the soul. This. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your. So everything, listen, listen to me. Everything. And now I'm saying some things. Everything will be, is dependent upon the degree to which your soul prospers. Exactly what is, biblically, the term, the prosperity of the soul, we will explain from the scriptures. The Bible says every other form of prosperity, and even health, is dependent upon the degree to which you are prosperous in this domain. My problem is, however, before we get there, I would love to start teaching that. My problem is this. This domain must be led by this domain. Soul is led by spirit. Spirit leads the soul. Soul blindly follows spirit. So if I can get my spirit man in a state that basically determines the kind of landscape environment within my soul, obedience to God's word would be easy. 
right? Reflexive. And all the attendant blessings upon obedient, obedience, I will simply, I will simply walk in. Amen? So let's do a checklist. Are you ready? You can take your pen and tick or cross. Okay. Hallelujah. Everyone say assessment. I told you I was a teacher before, so I love giving tests. Check where you are in the spirit. Amen. And then we're going to pray and prophesy some more just now. Hallelujah. Just tell your neighbor, my spirit is mature, my spirit is full. Everyone do this. Capacity. Come on, do this. Capacity. I want your spirit man to be so huge. That's why I drew it like this. Your spirit influence must be the all prevailing, dominating influence over the soul and even what you do in the flesh. Have a huge spirit presence about you. Amen? Other people do it the other way. This is body, soul, spirit. Right? They're led by the dictator of the flesh. What must be the preeminent leading factor in your life is a well-formed, well-mature, fully developed spirit. Let's go. Are you ready? Now, all of these factors, all of these factors, I've pulled out out of the past, I think from session 18 to session 20 in this series. Just factors that I've pulled out. I don't want to go on to something new before we've confirmed within our own hearts that we are, we are on target or I need to work there, I need to work there. So, your spirit should be characterized by the following. Right? So, I'm going to ask you, in terms of the note, is your spirit word-saturated, word-marinated? Hmm? Acts 18.5, Paul was pressed in the spirit. But other versions says that he, he, was, he, gave, he was grossly involved, devoting himself to the word of the Lord and to its preaching. Right? What's going to give you all the power of spirit is the presence of the word of God in your, of, in your spirit. Okay? I love Hebrews 4.12. It says the word of God is able to divide, piercing asunder the division of soul and, and spirit. The word of God is the only separator of spirit and, and soul. Okay? The, your, your spirit, I explained to you, is the candle of the Lord. Remember? And the light of the Lord. Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20, 20, 20, 27. Your spirit is the light of the Lord, is the candle of the Lord. And the word of God is the light of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So a word-illuminated spirit must be a word, and I use the terms consciously and deliberately, marinated, saturated, pickled. Your spirit must be pickled in the word. Hmm? Who loves marinated bride meat? Hallelujah. Someone's coming up. <laughs> okay. Someone's around the corner. Amen. But when we bry, I love the marinade to be done night before. So by the time you bry, you can't, you, you, it's impossible to extract the marinade from out of the meat. You can, you can try all you want to. That flavor has worked itself into the very fabric of the nyama. Right? You, can't, you can't taste the one without tasting the other. Right? In fact, they've proved, take, a, take a, a mango and pickle it. Put mango in pickle, it becomes mango pickle. If you take the pickled mango, let's say after a month, 
and you put the pickle mango under a microscope, the mango is no longer the mango. It is now pickled mango. What I'm saying is, the entire constitution of the substance has changed. You've added an ingredient that has worked itself into and redefining the object. I'm saying your spirit must be marinated, pickled by the word, saturated. Uh, if I put your spirit under a microscope, what I must see there is the word of the word of God. Let's run quickly. Secondly, join to the Lord one spirit with him. Amen. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So you don't have two spirits within you. The Holy Spirit is within you. The Holy Spirit does reside in your spirit and your body, which contains, your, your body contains two dimensions, spirit and soul. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. But in the compartment of your body, I believe, it's the spirit component of your body in which He, the Holy Spirit, comes to transact. So it's always from spirit to spirit, from spirit to spirit. Deep tries unto deep. It's from spirit to, to, to spirit. So I don't have, yes, he does. He's in me. And if I mess up, I could offend him and he could leave. But if I'm obedient and I'm joined to the Lord, I'm one spirit within. It could be said, I can't distinguish Randolph's spirit from the Holy Spirit because they're so one. They're so enmeshed together. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Your spirit is also the agency, number third dot there, that bears witness with God's spirit as to sonship. My spirit bears witness with his spirit that we are sons. Everyone says bears witness. Not just only for sonship. It's with your spirit that you bear witness to anything spiritual. Hmm? So the agency or the component of spirit is that part of you that is very aware and that corroborates, bears witness. It, it like validates things. It corroborates with the spirit of the Lord in the heaven regarding the truth of a, of a, of a matter. Okay? So you can be in a situation where you have to make a decision and your mind might be saying, no. But your spirit man is saying, go. Who, which voice will you listen to? The agency of witness in you is always the spirit. And sometimes you can accept things in the mind of your spirit that the mind of your soul is having trouble receiving. But you have got to make a spiritual decision, not a soulish decision. Hmm? And I sense many of you here in this meeting right now, you're in a quandary. You need to make a decision. Don't make a decision as a man, as a soulish man. Make a decision being informed by the, being informed by the Spirit. It comes up again later on. Let's just run through because of time. The Spirit searches and seeks after God's will. Remember we, we, we read in Isaiah 26 verse 9, When my Spirit searches, my soul longs. When my Spirit searches... My soul longs. The longing of from the soul, we sang a song, my soul longs for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The soul will long when the spirit adopts a searching nature. Who knows the thoughts of a man, but the spirit within the man. Who knows the mind of Christ except the spirit. So the spirit is always the agency 
that is aware and that knows. It therefore adopts an inquiring disposition. Your spirit should never ever be static, inert, staying the same place. The spirit within you is should always be searching after the deep things of God. You're never satisfied. You always have a searching, investigative nature to you. You want to find out. You want to search. You want to inquire. It's the glory of God to hide a matter. Proverbs 25. What's the glory of? Kings to do what? To search the matter out. So if I'm kingly, what defines my kingship in the season is my capacity to search out the things that God has hidden. Right? So tell your neighbor I'm curious by nature. Right? I, I've never ever met any man of God who has done anything major for God that has got a static spirit. He's always on the search. Always are pressing into the next level, to the next realm in God. Okay? Then your spirit must be full of grace. All the, version, all the verses I put there, Paul says, grace to your spirit. I love this. Grace in the department or the realm of spirit. just love this grace so much presently. Grace, grace to your spirit. Grace to your spirit. There's, there's another principle which we'll get to, but I'm going to mention it now. I don't know where it is in the list. Uh, the Bible says that the spirit of a man can sustain him in his infirmity. But a broken spirit, a depressed, famished, deep, uh, a weighed, laid down spirit, who can bear? Right? So the spirit of a man can sustain him when he, in his sickness or in his bodily condition. Right? That is true for illness. When I looked at France, Duplessis and how for such a long period he bored the disastrous consequences of MND, for example. But how that everyone says when they went to visit him at hospital, he was the one encouraging them. So his bodily condition did not um, quench the fervency, the sharpness, the alacrity, the awareness in his spirit man. So it says the spirit of a man will sustain him in his, in his, firm, in his infirmity. But it says... If the spirit of that man is broken, who can bear being around a person with a broken spirit? Right? Have you ever been around a person that is dispirited? That's the word I'm looking for. It's like you've got no spirit. It's like you're walking zombie. Because the bo- spirit, the body without the spirit is dead. So he who is dispirited is walking around like dead. You watch the series, The Walking Dead. You don't watch those kinds of things. Okay? I've watched it. I don't like the, the gore and the, the eating of the flesh, etc. First few episodes, I got over that. But I, began, I love the storyline in, in that series. Okay? But they just walk there. You know how they... <laughs> Lifeless, no function, no zeal, no oomph, no enthusiasm. If that was real... I could have survived in that context <laughs> with those guys around. They pose no threat to me. Hmm. I want to encourage you. Ever seen a spirited individual? Right? 
There are some people that are highly spirited just in their personality. Uh, we conclude that, 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 that person, it's usually female, that girl is a spirited person, eh? full of life, full of oomph. Right? Now, listen carefully. The life of God is in your spirit. Grace is life. 1 Peter 3.7 says, Husbands and wives are heirs of the grace of life. You can't tell me you have grace and you don't have life. Can't say grace has come and I'm, I don't act like it. Right? Some people are constantly depressed. Can't, I can't fathom it. And you claim that you have grace. No, it doesn't work that way. Amen? I want to encourage you, a, spirited, a, 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 a spirit full of grace will sustain you, it says, not just through your sickness, I view it like this, through any external negative circumstance. If you have a buoyant spirit, no matter what you're going through, it could be the worst trial of your, of your life externally in the flesh, but the content, the fabric, the nature, the character of your spirit, pregnant with grace, pregnant with word, will be able to see you through. Amen? Able to see you through. That's why Paul said to Timothy, I wonder why he said this to his son. Son Timothy, my son, stand strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Stand strong in the grace that is in, in Christ Jesus. Do not be ashamed of my chains, my imprisonment, my, my suffering. Grace will see you through. Amen? Then, fourth one. Full of light. <laughs> I love this. Full of light. Your spirit, the Bible says, is the lamp of the Lord. Proverbs 20, 20 and, and Proverbs 20, 27. Remember these verses we spoke about last week? Your spirit is the light or the lamp or the candle of the Lord. Illuminating, it says, all of your darkness. So you see the darkened areas in which you need amends. But it says, if you despise your father or mother, it says your lamp, your lamp which is your spirit, your lamp will go out in the time of darkness. When calamity and bad times hit the earth, you will, you will be in a realm called darkness. No light will be allowed to enter your perspective, your spirit man, right? And you will be in a state called darkness. John 12, 35 says, He who walks in darkness does not know wherever he goes. Right? So I pray that your spirit man is illuminated. Ephesians 1.18 says, you're um, uh, being enlightened, how to say? The eyes of your understanding, being in, being enlightened, right? So we're full of light, full of revelation. We don't function in ignorance. Darkness here is a metaphor for ignorance. My people are perishing for a lack of fasting. No, it doesn't say that. My people are perishing for a lack of prayer. No, it doesn't say that. My people are perishing for a lack of bribes. No, definitely not. My people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Knowledge is equated to darkness. The measure of light in you indicates the degree of knowledge and understanding. And you can walk. It says, by his light, I can walk through darkness. By his light, I can walk through darkness. So your spirit must not be ignorant. Your spirit must be fully aware. Quickly. I love the next view peaceful the next few are all from first thessalonians 5 23 um i pray peace to your spirit even while you're sitting there i pray peace be with you 
And you should respond. <laughs> and also with you. Okay? Peace be with you. Peace be with your spirit. Right? Uh, when, when Paul quoted 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he said this, I pray that the God of what? God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be complete and be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord and Savior. But he starts all of it. He says, I pray that the God of peace does this. Your spirit must be peaceful. Hmm? Ask your neighbor, do you have peace today? Peace. You know why we only largely focus on grace in apostolic circles, eh? Grace to you. But do you know that to Timothy and to Titus, two of Paul's like-minded sons, you will find this phrasing when he opens his letter. Grace, peace, and mercy. Grace, peace, and mercy from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In this season, we don't only need impartations of grace. We're going to have to have impartations of peace. And I say it deliberately. I use the phrase consciously. Impartations of peace. Because Paul said to his son, My son, peace to you. Peace came to Timothy based upon Paul's salutation to you. Amen? Lift up your hands to the Lord, all of you. I declare peace to you like you did. Peace be with your spirit. No matter what the anxiety and turmoil in the landscape of your spirit, I declare the peace of God that passes all human understanding be your portion in the name of the Lord. Amen? So next time I email you and I say grace to you or peace to you, not this nice way of trying to start or close something. I'm deliberate in what I'm doing. I'm saying I want to give you peace. Right? Peace is a fantastic topic to study in and of itself. But one of the ways to access it is under the apostolic impartation of peace. Amen? Um, so grace and peace. So Paul says the God of peace sanctify you. And he says make you complete. Right? Sanctified, clean, pure, holy, purified. Complete, he means whole, perfectly sound. And I like the Greek for complete. It means retaining all that was allotted to it, lacking nothing for its wholeness. I love that. Retaining all that was originally allotted to it, lacking nothing for its wholeness. Tell you never I have a whole spirit. I'm not a deficient person. I am not. You know, there's some people that are physically handicapped with some physical impediment. Right? There are some people that are handicapped mentally. Yeah. Hmm? But there are, I think, more people handicapped. Yeah. There are more people walking around with spiritual handicaps that we can't see with our natural eyes. When Paul said this, I pray that your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete. It was a complete. He was saying, you guys must lack nothing from what God originally intended for your spirit, your soul, and your body. You must be well-rounded. You must be a together person. Hmm? Do you know why? If, let's say, I am physically handicapped, lame, let's say, in one leg, or both legs, and you, you say to me, go run the race with able-bodied athletes. Who's at the advantage? 
me or them. They are. They have an edge. By virtue of my handicap, I am disadvantaged. Right? And I can protest, but the odds are unfair. How can you put me with them? Put me with other handicapped athletes. Right now we have what we call the handicap game. What they call it? Paralympics, right? Where, where, where athletes that have been affected with some kind of physical defects can compete with others of similar handicaps. And you know what? In the church, we have this sense of competition with a group of people that all suffer the same physical spirit handicaps. And I am saying, do you know when you know the difference? If an able-bodied athlete goes to run against those guys who race on their wheelchairs, right? we'll notice an obvious difference. By virtue of his formation, his togetherness, his stature, we'll notice, hey, you shouldn't be here. And I want to, I want to ask you, be the difference in your handicapped world. Stand out like a sore thumb. When people see you, I mean, your spirit must be so developed. Let me just say this. Even if you had a difficult childhood and you got some scars that you're battling with in the area of your soul, develop your spirit man through the word, through um, uh, the spirit, praying tongues, word exposure, and this will influence this. You'll find your rate of healing in this area will accelerate vastly right i'm telling you it will how many of you when you think about it should not be where you are today because of something that happened in your past and you look back you say sure hey the enemy really tried to mess me up good and proper yeah it might be something that happened at home it might be your parents it might be an elder it might be someone in authority it might be the way you were brought up and the enemy sought to bring havoc to my life except the fact that your spirit man heard word full with grace, light came on, and some hope was given to you. Hey? What the Bible says, hope deferred, makes the heart sick. You keep deferring hope for, for a sustained period of time. Your heart gets sick, except that you have a strong spirit. He was strong in faith, Abraham. Did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Against hope, believed in hope. That he who calls the things that are not as though they are. Sometimes you've got to believe against hope. Because sometimes I'm picking up my, my spirit now, I'm picking up. Some of you are in despair. You're saying, how long must I hope for this hope? I hope it works out. And you are sick in your spirit because hope deferred. You thought by this time the problem would be sorted out. Hope deferred, making my heart sick. Hmm? And you can't see the realization of the promise of God. Abraham, it says of Abraham, who against hope believed. Hmm? Faith is a substance hoped for. When you have faith, you have hope. But when you have hope only, it does not necessitate or presuppose the presence of faith. I want to say, I want to encourage us all. I'm here. I just feel the Lord saying, hang on. Hang on. But let the content of your spirit sustain you during your own infirmity. Hmm? Terry Lebo, we'll walk through this. We'll walk through this. Coming out, we'll walk through this. 
You know, I just want to prophesy corporately. For some of you, the battle is going to be turned up seven times hotter. And unless, unless you say to yourself, I can walk through this. I can walk through this. I might not understand all the parameters and the issues involved in the area of my body and my soul. But all I want to do is, I want to focus on developing my spirit man so strongly, I can literally walk through anything. I'll come out unaffected. Let's go on, quickly. Okay, we're going a bit too slow. Ten minutes left. Blameless, faultless, without defilement of any kind of carnality. I spoke to you at length about getting victory over your flesh, over sin, and the weights and the sins that easily trip you up. Psalm 51 verse 10. A a soul that is renewed, repaired, and rebuilt. When you do mess up, like David, he said, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right what? A steadfast spirit within me. When you do mess up, ensure that you repent and rebuild. Your spirit man can be rebuilt. It's not the end of the world. Amen? Can be renewed. David said, even for the soul. I love what David prayed. He said, renew my spirit. That's the Greek, uh, the Hebrew, repair or rebuild. But when he, for his soul, what did he say in Psalm 23? You restore my, you restore my soul. Your spirit needs renewal, rebuilding, repair. Your soul needs restoration. Then he says this, or the next point, steadfast, fixed, established. I want to ask you the next one. Is your spirit self-controlled and well? And well? Disciplined. He who can control his spirit is like um, a city with walls. Remember? Right? But the city without walls is like a man who's got no control over his spirit. That's the, I'm quoting the verse, uh, Proverbs 25, 28. Secondly, or next, is your spirit fervent, zealous with enthusiasm, right? zeal, excitement? Were you ever compelled by the Holy Spirit in your spirit? It says of Paul, he was compelled by the, by the Spirit. Next point, does your spirit, is your spirit refreshed? Right? Particularly now, the, the seasons are changing, it's springtime. When? What's the day today? Next week. Okay, we've got one week to go for spring. Right? Some plants aren't waiting for the season to change. They're manifesting already. Right? They're ahead of their time. Do not say they are four months. Look up the fields already. White unto harvest. Be like the, the, the uh, what's the, the plant that Jeremiah saw? Jeremiah 1? Almond tree. What do you see, Jeremiah? Behold, I see the branch of an almond tree. The almond tree is the first to blossom at the dead, the end of winter, as the season's about to change. It doesn't wait for the seasons to change. It acts anticipating the season, and it models, it showcases, it blossoms before the season hits. It showcases what the season is about before the seasons change. It's usually ahead of its time. Amen? So I want to encourage you. You know, you can be... You can grab a hold of certain things in your spirit before the time. Right? I'm thinking now of the woman who, Syrophoenician by birth, it says. She said, her uh, daughter was grievously vexed at home, remember? 
and she came to Jesus. Jesus ignored her. He says, how can you take the bread reserved for the children and feed it to dogs? Because Jews, we got a Gentile, she's a Phoenician, non-Jew, as dogs. And this lady said, yeah, yes, true, yeah, truth, Lord. I love, I love her words. Truth, one statement, truth, Lord. What you're saying, I don't contest. It's exactly so. But the dogs to eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. There was a plan for Gentile nations that God, through Jesus, always had in mind. But this woman was pushing the timetable, pushing the limits. And I want to encourage you, you can start in your spirit, man, to push the limits. Right? You can assert the nowness of God's prophetic promise for you as a reality in your spirit. Right? So ask your neighbor, are you refreshed? Be refreshed in your spirit. You know, Study the references. I didn't have time to teach the refreshment of the spirit because of time, but a fantastic thing. Make sure you're always refreshed in your spirit. Make decision in the mind of your spirit. Next, you can be pressed with the word in your spirit and impress the word upon the soul. Impressed with the word in your spirit and it impresses the word upon your soul. We taught this last week. Then the following is very important. A spirit filled with understanding of God's will and God's ways. By your spirit you can know things. Job says, by the spirit of a man, understanding is gained. Then the next few from 2 Timothy 1. Who knows 2 Timothy 1? 7, all the clues are there. <laughs> For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Now, think about it like this. Listen I know there are many interpretations of this verse. Let me quote it correctly. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Some people, some versions say a spirit of fear. Okay, I'm not going to focus too much on the a versus the the. A spirit of fear, the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Everyone say fear. Fear is a demonic spirit. Fear is a demonic entity. God has not given us a spirit or the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Your spirit, God has not given you a spirit characterized or dominated by the spirit of fear. But your spirit is filled with three things. Love, power, and of a sound mind, well-focused, well-balanced way of thinking. Talk about that next week. Soundness of mind. In the mind of your spirit. Right? So a good, I'm just checklist. If you just check listing today. Audit, I want to ask you, is love pulsating in the realm of your spirit is dunamis power do you know power there listen carefully you know thea the greek scholar for those of you that do word studies most of us use zodiacs vines or who else what do you use thea the greek scholar thea three main scholars right um thea says power he classifies it as excellence of soul Dunamis is not just whoop, boom, bang, Holy Spirit power. Dunamis, he translates as an excellence of the soul of the man. Right? Dr. Sega taught us this two weeks ago. Excellence of the soul. God has not given us a spirit of, of, of fear. And fear there is what? In the Greek, it's cowardice. It's timidity. It's one who retreats in the face of the heat of the battle. Right? When you're at war, you don't want to be... Uh, you don't want one fighting alongside you who is a coward. What they call him? 
where they desert the battle? AWOL. Absent without leave. Right? You compromise everybody by deserting. Right? Those you should be supporting. And I really want to encourage us all um, to have this lack of cowardice in our spirit. Don't retreat. We're not of those who draw back. Quickly, quickly. Your, your way of things and knowledge above the natural sphere in your spirit. Mark 8, Jesus was aware in his spirit. He knew things. I want to ask you this. Since we've been teaching this, have you been noticing the awareness in your spirit? Have you been, come on, talk to me. Have you, have you been picking up things? You walk in your workplace or you go somewhere and you know things by the spirit. You might not have physical evidence, but you have an awareness or knowledge of a reality. Hey? It says Jesus went amongst them and he was aware in his spirit of what they were thinking. Okay? So your spirit is that component that makes you aware. Then, quickly, the ability to be present in a place. Now this is powerful. The ability to be present in a place far removed from the body. Sorry, that's badly phrased. Far removed from the body in... I don't know, what was I trying to say? The body is not physically present. Okay, that's a bad grammar. I was rushing into this. The body is not physically present. But you know things, you're not there physically, but you know things as though your spirit is present there. Okay? So Jesus did not see Nathaniel. But he said, Nathaniel, I was there, I saw you under the fig tree. Right? Elisha was not there when Gehazi misrepresented him to Naaman. But Elisha said, my spirit went with you. Paul in the Corinthian context said to them, the man who sinned, I judge him even though I'm not present, but I'm present with you in spirit. I judge him as though I'm present. Hmm? Right? This is frightening possibilities. But I'm telling you, it's the power of a glorified body. It's what we're reverting back to. And there's signs and symptoms of it. I believe God's going to give us little indications of these things. Amen? So tell your neighbor, even when he's not you, Randolph's always with you. <laughs> Come on, tell a few people, even when he's not with you, Randolph's always with you. <laughs> Let me just say this. Spiritual fathering, spirit capacity has got this grace to know of things even though he's not physically present. It's a Holy Spirit thing. Hmm? I love Psalm 51 verse 17. A spirit repents when it's in error. Right? A spirit that repents when it's in error. A spirit that is able to endure any negative condition. I say that to you. A spirit that is humble. Don't be haughty in your spirit. Uh, I'm quoting Matthew 5 where in Beatrice Jesus says, uh, Blessed are the broken in, or the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Right? Poor in spirit doesn't mean like um, no spiritual power. In that context, it means a spirit that is entirely dependent and humble, up, uh, dependent upon God. Amen? Now, quickly, let's go on. A spirit when provoked, provoked when God's purposes are not performed regionally. I'm quoting Acts 17 here. The Bible says, Paul came to, where was this? Was this Mars Hill, I think? And he, he said, the Bible says his spirit was provoked when he saw all of the idols and all of the false items of worship. The spirit became agitated. 
a spirit that groans and is troubled at the thought of things being out of alignment with God's will. I've said that to you. Jesus at last is too. A spirit that apprises relationships above the pursuit of ministry advancement. Paul says, a great and effectual door was opened, but I had no rest in my spirit because I could not find Titus, my brother. Did not go for the open door. He went for Titus, his brother, because in the face of a massive opportunity to advance his ministry, he wanted to go with Titus. So he did not pursue the open door unless he went in company with a brother that he could not find. Finding the lost brother was more important to him than pursuing the open door. Hmm? But that kind of thinking, that reality is all a function of your, of your spirit man. Okay? And then, for example, let's just close with a few things. A spirit that is able to bless. Paul says, with our spirit we bless. A spirit that is prayerful at all times. At all times, with all kinds of prayer. Praying in the spirit, Paul says. Next, a spirit that can pray for God's perfect will in the spirit. We know not what we ought to pray, but he, the spirit, makes groanings and utterances according to the perfect will of God. Right? A spirit from which worship emanates. They that worship me must worship me where? From the spirit. Doesn't matter how you're feeling in the soul or what condition you are in your body. Worship is not a function of your bodily condition or the soul environment. Right? Worship is a function of your spirit. More about that on the, on, in the series on worship when we do it. A spirit, where are we? A spirit that sings. How is this? Paul says, I will sing with my, un, my mind, like we did just now. Okay? My soul, what's, how lovely are your dwelling places. We can sing intelligently. We know what we're saying. But Paul says, I can also sing with my, with my spirit. That's singing in the language of the Holy Ghost. Singing in tongues. Right? Did you know you can give thanks in tongues? I forgot to put it here. G, uh, uh, Paul said this. Paul said, he who gives thanks in an unknown tongue, gives thanks well. Hmm? Who would like to give thanks well? Lift your voice. I mean, we do this, I do this spontaneously, most times spontaneously. God does something major for me. My hands go up in my office, my bedroom. I just break out. What am I doing? Giving thanks well. Giving thanks in tongues. Sing with my spirit. Pray with my spirit. Pray with my understanding. Your spirit can rejoice. Amen? Your spirit can rejoice. Many said this, my spirit rejoices. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my, in God my Savior. Your spirit man can be happy. Your spirit man can rejoice. Amen?